Welcome to the Daily Devotions Podcast from Confident Faith. I am Corey J. Mahler, a contributor here at Confident Faith, and I will be your reader today, this sixth Monday after Epiphany, the 12th of February, in the year of our Lord, 2024, in the time of Christmas. There are no feasts, festivals, or commemorations on the calendar today. Our readings for today are Psalm 71, Psalm 99, Job chapter 8, verses 1 through 22, John chapter 4, verses 27 through 45, and paragraphs 10 through 19 of Article 3 of Part 3 of the Small Cult Articles. We will close, as always, with the Lord's Prayer. Today's first reading from the Psalter is the 71st Psalm. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge, to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. Upon you I have leaned from before my birth. You are he who took me from my mother's womb. My praise is continually of you. I have been as a portent to many, but you are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all the day. Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. For my enemies speak concerning me. Those who watch for my life consult together, and say, God has forsaken him. Pursue and seize him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste to help me. May my accusers be put to shame and consumed. With scorn and disgrace may they be covered, who seek my hurt. But I will hope continually, and will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts of your deeds of salvation all the day, for their number is past my knowledge. With the mighty deeds of the Lord God I will come. I will remind them of your righteousness, yours alone. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me, until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. Your righteousness, O God, reaches the high heavens. You who have done great things, O God, who is like you. You who have made me see many troubles and calamities will revive me again. From the depths of the earth you will bring me up again. You will increase my greatness and comfort me again. I will also praise you with the harp for your faithfulness, O my God. I will sing praises to you with the lyre, O Holy One of Israel. My lips will shout for joy when I sing praises to you, my soul also, which you have redeemed, and my tongue will talk of your righteous help all the day long, for they have been put to shame and disappointed, who sought to do me hurt. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen.
Today's second reading from the Psalter is the 99th Psalm. The Lord reigns, let the peoples tremble. He sits enthroned upon the cherubim, let the earth quake. The Lord is great in Zion. He is exalted over all the peoples. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Holy is he. The king in his might loves justice. You have established equity. You have executed justice and righteousness in Jacob. Exalt the Lord our God. Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel also was among those who called upon his name. They called to the Lord, and he answered them. In the pillar of the cloud he spoke to them. They kept his testimonies and the statute that he gave them. O Lord our God, you answered them. You are a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of their wrongdoings. Exalt the Lord our God, and worship at his holy mountain. For the Lord our God is holy. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. Amen. Today's Old Testament reading comes from the book of Job, and we will be reading the 8th chapter, verses 1 through 22. Then Bildad the Shuhite answered and said, How long will you say these things, and the words of your mouth be a great wind? Does God pervert justice, or does the Almighty pervert the right? If your children have sinned against him, he has delivered them into the hand of their transgression. If you will seek God and plead with the Almighty for mercy, if you are pure and upright, surely then he will rouse himself for you and restore your rightful habitation. And though your beginning was small, your latter days will be very great. For inquire, please, of bygone ages, and consider what the fathers have searched out. For we are but of yesterday and know nothing, for our days on earth are a shadow. Will they not teach you and tell you, and utter words out of their understanding? Can papyrus grow where there is no marsh? Can reeds flourish where there is no water? While yet in flower and not cut down, they wither before any other plant. Such are the paths of all who forget God. The hope of the godless shall perish. His confidence is severed, and his trust is a spider's web. He leans against his house, but it does not stand. He lays hold of it, but it does not endure. He is a lush plant before the sun, and his shoots spread over his garden. His roots entwine the stone heap. He looks upon a house of stones. If he is destroyed from his place, then it will deny him, saying, I have never seen you. Behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of the soil others will spring. Behold, God will not reject a blameless man, nor take the hand of evildoers. He will yet fill your mouth with laughter, and your lips with shouting. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame, and the tent of the wicked will be no more. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's New Testament reading comes from the book of John, and we will be reading the fourth chapter, verses 27 through 45. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, What do you seek? or Why are you talking with her? 
So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me, and to accomplish his work. Do you not say, There are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes, and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages, and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, One sows, and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. After the two days he departed for Galilee, for Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Today's reading from the Book of Concord comes from the Small Called Articles, and we will be reading Part 3, Article 3, Paragraphs 10-19. through 19. The False Repentance of the Papists It was impossible for them to teach correctly about repentance, since they did not know what sin really is. As has been shown above, they do not believe correctly about original sin. Rather, they say that the natural powers of human beings have remained unimpaired and uncorrupted. They believe that reason can teach correctly, so that the will can do what is right, and God certainly bestows His grace when a person does as much as he can, according to his free will. According to that dogma, they need to do penance only for actual sins. Those would include only the evil thoughts that a person yields to, or evil words and evil deeds that free will could easily have prevented. According to these people, Wicked emotions, lust, and improper attitudes are not sins. They divide repentance into three parts, contrition, confession, and satisfaction. They add this consolation and promise. If a person truly confesses and renders satisfaction, he merits forgiveness. He has paid for his sins before God. So even in repentance, they taught people to put confidence in their own works. This is where the expression comes from that was used in the pulpit when public absolution was announced to the people. Prolong, O God, my life, until I can make satisfaction for my sins and amend my life. There was here no mention of Christ in faith. People hoped to overcome and blot out sins before God by their own works. With this intention, we became priests and monks, so we could protect ourselves against sin. As for contrition, this is how it was done. No one could remember all his sins, especially those committed over an entire year. 
so they inserted this provision. If an unknown sin is remembered later, it too has to be repented of and confessed, and so on. Until then, the person was commended to God's grace. Furthermore, since no one could know how great the contrition ought to be in order to be enough before God, they gave this consolation. He who could not have contrition at least ought to have attrition. I call that half a contrition, or the beginning of contrition. The fact is, they themselves do not understand either of these terms any more than I do, but such attrition was counted as contrition when a person went to confession. If anyone said that he could not have contrition or lament his sins, as might be the case with illicit love or the desire for revenge, etc., they asked whether he wished or desired to have contrition. When one would reply yes, for who save the devil himself would say no, they accepted this as contrition. They forgave him his sins on account of this good work of his. Here they cited the examples of St. Bernard and others. Here one sees how blind reason gropes around in matters belonging to God. According to its own imagination, reason seeks consolation in its own works, and cannot remember Christ in faith. Viewed in this light, this contrition is a manufactured and fictitious thought. It comes from our own powers, without faith, and without the knowledge of Christ. When he reflected on his own lust and desire for revenge, the poor sinner might have laughed rather than wept, unless he had either been truly struck by the lightning of the law, or had been tormented by the devil with a sorrowful spirit. With everyone else, such contrition was certainly mere hypocrisy, and did not put to death the lust for sins. They had to grieve, but if they were free, they would rather have kept on sinning. As for confession, the procedure was this. Everyone had to list all his sins, which is impossible. This was a great torment. If anyone had forgotten some sins, he would be absolved on the condition that, if they would occur to him, he must still confess them. So he could never know whether he had made a sufficiently pure confession, or if confessing would ever come to an end. Yet he was pointed to his own works. He was comforted like this. The more fully you confess, and the more you humiliate yourself and debase yourself before the priest, the sooner and better you render satisfaction for your sins. Such humility would certainly earn grace before God. This concludes our reading from the Book of Concord. I now invite all of you to join me in reciting the Lord's Prayer, one of the most ancient prayers of the Church, I do encourage you to say it aloud if you are somewhere it would be reasonable to do so, but praying it silently is, of course, also fine. The Lord knows what is in your heart. Lord, remember us in your kingdom, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace and grace to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, in whatever calling has been given you, or task set before you. Until tomorrow, God be with you.